Hey, it's Shastin Rains, and welcome to Crosswalk Church. You're listening to Today's Presence, a podcast in which Pastor Tim hosts conversations about culture, daily life, and what the scriptures have to say. We desire to bring you encouragement and hope during this time. So once you finish this podcast, make sure to visit crosswalkvillage.com to find more information about our church and additional resources from our pastoral team. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is Sam and Tim. Tim and Sam here on the Daily Presence Podcast. It's been a while since I said it. The Daily Presence Podcast. Hey, Sam, how you doing? Hey, man. What's going on, Tim? Hey. How are you? I'm good. I'm good because we've been sitting here talking for an hour before we pushed record. Yeah. So everything everything of any consequence has already been said without been having said. recorded it. Right. Which is kind of the premise of this podcast that we just have conversations anyway. Um, you know what's but, funny is that throughout the last hour, we should have been recording. Well, we probably should have. But it doesn't occur to us until an hour into it. Hey, we, oh, <laughs> we, we should. We, <laughs> we're, we're on a podcast. Not just a, we're not just having coffee together. <laughs> from our own, but but um, those are those are. I'll put it this way: those are background conversations that we have before we. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's the way. The catch up. So so what you, dear listener, are going to get is um, the the fruit at its most perfect stage of ripening. <laughs> this conversation is exactly where it should be for you to consume. Right. And, um, and there's. A couple things. First of all, we may have a we may have a few weeks where we don't do anything. I'm I'm having to go a bit of on a bit of a vacation. Uh, it's less vacation and more. Errand you have running. a hard time saying vacation. Is there is there something in your DNA that considers not working immoral or <laughs> leaving behind? I don't know. Just say it. I'm going on vacation. Well, the problem is it doesn't feel like so much a vacation because we got to drive 3,000 miles in two weeks. So. Oh, that's what, okay, sorry. Because yeah. it's, you know, it's an errand. I got to drop my daughter off at camp and um, you just had your wife do it. You didn't even help. Yes. You just sent her away. <laughs> <laughs> we sent her, I sent my family into the COVID wilderness <laughs> while I sheltered in place. <laughs> that's good to know your priorities. Yeah. Um, no. So, so we got to drive, like we've got to empty the refrigerator in my daughter's dorm room. That you, has have, been. you have mentioned this many times. Cause You're... I am very concerned about opening up that refrigerator. I remember my refrigerator when I was in college, I'm sure she's better than I was. It, yeah. We lived there and actually took things out of it and it was disgusting all the time. So now this place has been sitting for like three months by itself. Mm -hmm. I, I'm fascinated to see what happens. Think, think of it as every society has its version of fermented something. <laughs> Doesn't it? Yeah. Sauerkraut. But there's there's a line. There's curtido. a line. There. What's that? What's that last one? What is curtido. that? Curtido. I don't know what that how, is. How dare, how, how dare you not know about Do you know what a pupusa is? Yes, I do know what a pupusa is. Okay, but so is that? It's the, it's, it's the cabbage that goes on top of the pupusa. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't know what that was called. A little spicy. Not yeah. as, it's not as fermented as... You know, sauerkraut. sauerkraut or or um, you want my best. You want my best sauerkraut story. Go. I mean, I think everyone has a sauerkraut story, probably. But um, we were in Augsburg, Germany, and they were out oh. at a street fair. Um, and so we're walking around, and it's like it's like a Renaissance fair because you're in. I think it was Augsburg. We're in the old city of Augsburg, and if I don't know if they have a fortress, but one of those just, cities. Augsburg, Frank. Okay, Frankfurt. I just want you to know what this sounds like when you say, uh, you know, we were out for some sauerkraut in Augsburg, just hanging out on an evening. Well, we weren't um, there for, I don't know if we were there for sauerkraut. <laughs> we were there for the cultural experience. No, I listen, I lived a blessed life, right? We spent a lot of time overseas when I was growing up. Mm. Um, and it had to do with my dad's, you know, his his archaeology, and then we go to Israel, or then we go to Europe. Anyway, it was, I was really lucky. Was it a re Reformation tour you were doing? I don't know that we call. I don't know that we called them those things. Okay, my dad didn't say, "Okay, guys, we're going on a Reformation tour." Because I'm pretty sure his two children would have revolted had he used those <laughs> terms. We might have been. I don't know. I don't know what the curriculum was, but so we're there and we're looking around. We're getting some, you know, getting a pretzel, a German pretzel, super good, and all this. And then we get to this, and they have this huge, like, um, not a vat. What's the word I'm looking for? Like huge, um, a a cask. Walk cask okay a huge cat i don't know if you call it a cask um anyway cauldron a cauldron it's not a cauldron it's made out of wood it's a oh oh sorry sorry yeah, i don't know why i'm not coming Is up it, with the word 
a wooden drum. <laughs> we're ve- so we're having trouble. We don't know anything about things. We're having trouble with nouns right now. Anyway, it's a cask. Anyway, uh-huh. it's huge, right? And this there's this there's this German woman, and she she's she saw us coming, and she's like, "Oh, you're American." We're like, "Yeah." And um, she said, "Okay, I'm going to get you the good stuff." So she puts oh. her arm down this thing and like wiggles her arm all the way down with this huge like ladle, if you will. Takes from the bottom oh. of this thing, pulls it out, throws it in this cup that we're going to eat it from. Oh, dude, it was. I don't know if it was good or bad or germ laden. <laughs> I don't know. But I figured like, well, it's it's uh, it's fermented, so it can't really go bad anymore. Anyway, it was phenomenal. That's my story. That's Are cool. we telling stories? Yeah. Do you have a I fermentation got, I story? I do. I do. Yeah. 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 So um, since you did your, your international travel brag, when I was growing up in Guatemala, Oh. So, so the food I mentioned earlier is called a pupusa. Pupusa, mm-hmm. for dear listener, if you don't know, is a Salvadoran um, food. Um, it's like a thick tortilla. Well, I call it a tortilla. Salvadoran people would really take offense to that. It's actually, it's like a thick um, grilled um, corn cornmeal-based food that has filling in it. You can fill it with cheese or beans mm. or um, loroco is what they call it. It's, it's delicious. Anyway, what my family and I would do, because we live near the border with El Salvador, the thing to do is to drive from Guatemala City, where we lived, to the border, about an hour away, half an mm. hour away, and and go across the border to a an authentic pupuseria. That's what they call Ooh, it. Nice. And these places were open. They were like open air. Maybe they had something. Sometimes they had a roof over them, but no no walls. Um, you line up and. And what, what I'm convinced now, in hindsight, <laughs> that what made these things amazing was the people's sweating over them <laughs> when they were making them because it's so hot in, this, so in these hot. places. It's humid, and they're slapping this, these things together, and they're putting them on a pan, and then um, they hand you one, and you serve yourself out of a this. What, what did we decide they were like? Just of container that. whatever a, a vat, vat. <laughs> there you go we're calling them a vat it's self-service which in this covid emergency I mean, like this there's not going to be any more self-serving anywhere but <laughs> so you you grabbed the curtido which is which is um uh you know a bird it's like a version of sauerkraut uh, mm-hmm. less fermented actually but fermented mm-hmm. um from a pile of there's flies on it flying uh-huh. around there's I mean, you put that on your pupusa, dude, there's nothing better. That's awesome. Sweat, a little, that is life. Listen, I'm glad you got the nomenclature right because uh, we don't want to upset um, Salvadorians because we have a huge, a huge demographic um, that listen to our podcast that are Salvadorian. No, I don't think so. Listen, (laughs) we may be huge in Salvador, you don't know. We remember when we were in a dude. band and we <laughs> thought no one was listening. We were huge in Namibia. Namibia. I was going to say the same thing, dude. We it were was, huge. We're I remember that one. that radio station calling us up and being like, "You guys are, you guys are big in Namibia." Where I didn't know where Namibia was. <laughs> there was no, there was no googling in those days. We're like, That's "What? Right. We don't know where, where that. Where's Is that Namibia? a country?" That's not a, sorry if you're Namibian. We apologize for again. And I understand that this podcast is large and. We were we were big in Finland also, weren't we? Yeah, but that's just because we went there and it was yeah. winter. There wasn't a lot happening in Finland. But yeah. the one of our favorite one of our favorite trips in the band. We got to do a podcast on the band. That's coming. That's on our list eventually. Yeah. It'll be a series because this is a long story. It's a long story, and it's made us it's made us both popular and nefarious. That's what <laughs> I love about the band. Like our history is both, you know. It's a little. Dude, I know. It's you know what's shady. funny? So the other day, I actually thought because I mentioned it to somebody, I thought, man, I I want to I'm gonna Google it to see what happens if someone Google's our name. It's not good. It's not good. No, the things that come come first are everyone who had a problem with our music. That comes yeah. first. If you have to dig around to actually get to real. Yeah, well, there wasn't a lot of people who liked it. Uh, we had we had some fans. We had we did have some fans. And we had a lot of, listen, the good news is when you're doing that sort of thing, even if people don't like you, it's pretty good press. 
<laughs> Remember when we played Union College? We played Union College. We played in their in their church, which was probably a bad idea. And like twenty percent of the people left the moment we started playing. And then like 50% more come afterwards because they had gone to the dorm and started complaining that a rock band was playing in Union College's church. To check out. People were like, we got to go down and see it. The church is being desecrated. You got to see it. Um, As I like to remind you, and you forget, and you've forgotten for 25 years now, I was not in the band when you went to Union. You were not in the band then? No, man. You see, this this hurts. This hurts a little bit. What did you play in the band? I forget. Um... (laughs) <laughs> well, I went from the crowd heckler, it's uh, true. begging to be let in the band. It's true. To to being invited and being asked, what instrument can you play before a... <laughs> what instrument might you play? <laughs> <laughs> it was either the bass guitar or it was the thumb piano. So <laughs> you chose wisely, I think, because the thumb piano was not used on every song. No, then I we was, gotta let's hold back on this because yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a that's a series. That's a three, four, five week series. Should we? We should probably employ uh, what's the documentarist uh, Burns? Ken Burns. We should ask Ooh. him to do a documentary on. Do you we think he should take it up? I, massive, little, it feels like it might be a little bit beneath, <laughs> you know, prohibition, civil war, you know, thirty years of the Vietnam War, big face grace. He'd give us. Eight and a half minutes. <laughs> Not even that, I don't think. We watched the we watched the Vietnam one coming. Oh, I should say this. My wife was watching it coming home from Bend, Oregon one time. And I was listening to it because I was driving. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, the five is a straight shot, but you still have to, we don't own a Tesla or anything. Like it's not going to drive itself. Um, <laughs> it was like nine and a half hours, seven and a half hours, something like that. And they, they're like, let's talk about Vietnam War. In 18, and you're like, what? <laughs> what? What do you mean? So yeah, that was Ken Burns is fascinating. He said he said a few things this week. He oh, said some stuff. He did. Yeah, yes, he's he not. Yeah. Oh, a little bit of a har- harbinger of doom. A little bit. Yeah. Or or um calling it the, the reality. I listen, I think he's worth listening to. This man has studied deeply the major yeah. events of of this country's history deeply. Yeah. Deeply. Um, when you think about a series. For example, the Civil War, which is what, 13, 14 yeah. hours long. He, and that's the footage that we get to see. That's right. the research. That's the slice of the big loaf of bread that he's baked, that he's given you. Imagine he's how much more he's. So for this man to say, we're living in a, what we're living through right now is comparable to Civil War, Revolutionary War, the major events of this country, I think that's worth listening to. Wow. He's comparing those. He's elevated this, what we're going through right now to that level. So I, yeah, that's, yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty fascinating when someone of that, of that thoughtfulness says that. And we obviously are going through a pretty significant, pretty significant time. Do you ever feel like, do you ever feel like it's, it's, I don't know. So I think we've always laughed really easily, right? Sometimes I almost feel like we shouldn't be. Hmm you know, because of the gravity of everything that's going on. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know. Listen, I, yes, I, I hope that our laughter doesn't mean that we, that there's levity in the moment that we're living through. Um, but I do, you know, what I was listening to earlier this week, as I was getting ready one morning, I was listening to an interview with um, Daily Show, who we all missed. Uh, on Stuart. Yeah, he he was being interviewed because he's got a new movie coming out uh, soon about how people miss him. I'm one of them. I miss Stuart. Mm-hmm. And I will admit readily that for a period of time, that may have been my main source of the news. Right. Um, he So he was being interviewed. By, he was being told by the interview, hey, do, do you have you ever come to terms with the fact that you were the source of news for a lot of people? And he said, I don't I don't like it. <laughs> but um, it is the reality. I don't know. I don't know if I like it. Um, That's interesting. But on the other hand, he said maybe it's because we we knew there's humor. You can laugh at anything. Mm-hmm. You, there's there's a potential for not anything, but there's potential for poking fun at so much of what's going on, especially in politics. Because their show was really uh, based. Right. They really just spent most of their time. Um, 
you know, um, making fun of politicians. Um, so I think, I think we can, I think we can, if we lose our ability to laugh and to have fun, even in the middle of stuff we're going through, we, we may even have, we may lose our ability to find solutions. Right. I, 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 uh, I came across a word yesterday that I'd never heard before. Doom scrolling. <laughs> have you heard it's, that? <laughs> no. It's, it's not a, that's a mashup. That's not a Merriam-Webster. Yeah, well, it's in, a, it is in Webster now. It is? They've just added it, I believe. Oh, or they're going okay. to. Um, so yeah, it's the concept of like you go to bed and you put it, pick up your phone or you pick up your iPad or whatever and you just scroll through kind of the apocalypse right? And you spend hours doing it and it creates such a deep anxiety within you um, that, mm. that you can't sleep, that like it's affecting people's health, mm. you know? And I think, I think we've all been guilty of that. We go to our chosen news sources and, um, you know, and then we go, we go to the chosen news sources and then we go to the less factual world of, you know, Twitter and Facebook and, and go down the downward yeah. spiral of comments. Um, yeah, so I think, you know, sometimes those, taking a... And those platforms will, those algorithms will give you, pre, give preference to whatever you are right. scrolling through. And they're so you just, just get more and more doom. They're just an accelerant of the apocalypse, mm. honestly. That's what I believe social media is. And, um, and you know, unfortunately, it's creating, I think it's creating an us against them binary that I think yes. we need to be really careful of. I think we need to be really careful of it. I find myself, I find myself falling into that. And I, I, I worry about the continued conversations and I worry, you know, I can't look at all this without being Christian. Right. That's because that's my identity. Yeah. You know, yeah. left or right, whatever. My identity is, is Christ. And so I can't, you know, to see, to see the division that happens as we identify ourselves with a political party or with a right or a left, to, to, to allow that to be your identity above Christ, mm-hmm. I, uh, I, I think, I think that's, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. And I don't care what side of the political line you're on. And that doesn't mean that you can't have opinions and all that sort of thing, but um, there's a cruelty in the world right now that saddens mm. me. Yeah. You know, sorry. Yeah. Didn't mean to get that no, serious. No, that no, no. We need to but... spend, let's spend a little more time on this because that's actually what we spent doing the last, um, the last hour. Yeah. Right? Um, the, Hey, as we head towards the July 4 holiday and celebrating this nation, uh, rightfully so, I mean, please dear listener, don't listen to this as a, um, I mean, I, I think there's a lot to celebrate, mm-hmm. right? Um, well, how do you, so what, what, how does a Christian, Tim, celebrate in a way that doesn't make us worshipers of civil government and <laughs> empire of man while appropriately acknowledging that it, that this, this, this country has afforded us the ability to do that, right. to have to have the freedom of, of religion and how did, what is the proper balance? Oh, I don't I don't know that I know. And I I if we're going to engage in this conversation, I I don't want you to just ask me questions because I don't <laughs> <clears throat> I got opinions, but I don't know that I know the answer to that. Um, uh, but I will I I will say this, man. <sighs> Christians throughout the centuries have always had to hold the balance of what it means to be a citizen and what it means to be a citizen of an empire and a citizen of a kingdom, right? We've always held dual citizenship. And there are times when the citizenship of the empire has overwhelmed the citizenship of the kingdom. So I'm talking about kingdom of God versus empire of man, if you will. That's a metaphor I use often. Um, And I think that I think that what we saw in the early years of um, the early years of Christianity is that it was an anti-establishment movement, right? There was persecution that happened to Christians in some parts of the world today. It is still an anti-establishment kind of movement. 
I think when Christianity has become the predominant culture, it has not, it has not often gone well for Christianity. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. When Christianity is married to the civil government, when it is married to, when it is, Mm -hmm. when it conflates those two things together. I mean, I think, I think Rome is a good example of this, right? There was, you know, we were anti-establishment. We were meeting in, in, what are those called? Not caverns. Uh, Come on. Catacombs. Catacombs. Yeah, we were meeting in catacombs. We were meeting literally in graves because we couldn't meet anywhere. The ichthus, that fish, you know, it was a secret handshake, essentially, where you'd stand, you'd stand next to somebody, and as you were talking to them, you'd do half the arc of the fish mm-hmm. with your foot. And if they knew the handshake, they would complete the arc and you realize you were both Christians. Like, like there, there's, you know, there's something romantic about that and horrible because they were hiding because they were going to be killed. When it be, when, when Constantine made it into essentially a civil religion, um, you know, and converted his army, quote unquote, I don't know if that's apocryphal or not, but you know, you don't, yeah. you don't convert people one day and you know, that, that change as, as Christianity became the norm, as Christianity became the culture, it became the oppressor. Yeah. Right. And then we saw, you know, the, the birth of the Holy Roman empire, if you will, out of that took years. It took years. It didn't happen immediately. It took years and we saw the fall of Rome, but we saw the, the increase of the, of the Holy Roman church, which then had its problems because it was a governance. Hmm. Right. And here's the problem. I think this may be, I've never, I've never said this out loud before, so I don't know if this is going to make any sense. So, dear listener, if I say it and you go, mm, that sounds like loaded. That <laughs> may very well be true. It seems to me that when Christianity becomes the arbiter of people's, of the law, as opposed to the, the convictor of people's hearts, it's not where it's supposed to be. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because I think Christianity is, is a... Is a Christianity is a system of heart, not a system yes. of law. And that's why God says, I'm going to write, I'm going to write the law on your heart. I'm not going to write it on, on the street sign. Yeah. That is, it is, it is written on the street sign, but it, it's meaningless. It's actually not serving its purpose unless it's in, until it is in your heart. Right. That's the, um, aren't, aren't, aren't you talking about, the essence of beast revelation beast power yeah. the is often isn't this what we've always thought is the combination of civil and religious authority um and constantine being really the the first to make the move in that direction not the first but probably the most significant move in that direction well i i'm always i'm always i'm always hesitant to make historical references because at some point, I think Lisa Clark Diller may be listening to this. Probably not. She probably doesn't have any time to listen. But if she does, she'll be like, well, that's not exactly what happened. So we need to have her on to talk yeah. about. Uh, we need to have her, her on to talk about how religion or how history is made. This is our invitation, Lisa. We know you listen to this Do podcast. We, we think she probably doesn't. She of doesn't. course not. <laughs> of course, she's not going to waste her time. She's so smart. Um, but, but, um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I, that's how I've understood it from, you know, from early on yeah. that there's this well, conflation, and, right? Yeah, in the, in the, in the, in the, man, Tim, the, the consequences of that are the, what I, I read, someone called it the sacralizing of, of uh, violence. And when you said that the, that Constantine converted his army, um, you now baptize violence essentially in the name mm-hmm. of the state in the Christian state. That's interesting. And that, I don't think we have ever, I don't think Christianity has yet, we're still in the middle of that. Yeah. And here's what I mean, you know, so for me, going back to the first question is the 4th of July celebration. How does a Christian, let's run, let's come to the, to the present and then go back to the back, to the, to the, to the past. Cause I think it's worth spending more time there. But when, when a, my concern is that the 4th of July sometimes is a celebration of the military complex hmm. um, also along with freedom. Like why uh, the freedom and the values of this nation, which I love, um, often come alongside 
a display of our military power, our full spectrum domination of any other military in the, in the world is has to accompany the waving of the flag. Um, th that is a concern to me in the 4th of July. Uh, a military parade is to celebrate freedom and the birth of a nation and the, the high ideals that we have are probably a way to display the insecurity hmm. that we have. It's my, you know, push back all you want on this. I, I love to hear our insecurity in what we believe is the, you know, the, the great American Republic in this day and age. Why can't we celebrate all the goodness, all the, I mean, the achievements, all of the things that, that make this country good. Um, and maybe July 4th could also be a day of atonement for all the ills, all the injustices and all the things that are not corrected yet and emerge from that day knowing this is a, a project that still needs work. Um, that's, that's what concerns me about how we celebrate July 4th, what I wish was, was different about it. That's interesting. That's interesting, kind of a day of atonement. I hadn't thought about it that way. You know, I, I don't know I don't know that I've always connected. I understand why you do. I don't know that I've always connected the 4th of July with the military complex. Oh. Since, I, I mean, since, since when you say it, yeah, when you say it, it makes some sense. I, that has mm. never been what, maybe I just wasn't paying attention. <laughs> no, I'm not going to lie about that. I think you're right in some respects. I think for me, it has always been, um, I think for a while it was the idea of kind of American exceptionalism, right? Hmm. You know, but, uh, but I think the way I've always approached it or I thought to approach it, maybe, I don't know. You're, you're making me, you're making me think. I, I hate well, it. I hate it when you see that. Let's do it. So I, I think the ideal, the ideals for me, it was always a celebration of the ideals, right? Um, I don't think I spent a lot of time on whether those ideals were actually truly happening or not, or they were available to everyone. I'll, I'll call that out of myself. But the, I, the ideas of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness that all men are created equal, um, those kind of high ideals, like I loved, I loved and do love living in a country where that's a possibility. I think as the country is grappling with the reality of that for certain people groups, um, this is a this is a a really difficult time yeah. because even you know even from a sense of history, going yeah those were those were ideals were said but they weren't really meant for everybody perhaps. No, they were not. Not even yeah. perhaps they were not. Most right. definitely. Right. So, so that's a bit of a you know, that's a bit of a, Hey, I gotta, I gotta think about this again. Um, yeah. so how do we, as, how do we, as Christian, how do we as Christians celebrate the 4th of July? That's fascinating. Um, yeah. and this is maybe a dicey conversation. I don't know that we were planning on getting into that. Yeah, we, we, it is dicey. We were not prepared, were we? We're just no. scared. But, but, but you know what? I think, I think we're the most honest when we <laughs> have no information. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, you know, it's no secret that my, I mean, just to, to say a little more about my comments on, on uh, violence, I think it's no secret that I, I tend towards, I, I tend, I tend pacifist. Right? Uh, I'm so, with you just for the record. Yeah. So I, I'm super sensitive to the display. I, like I wish I don't, I don't deny the incredible sacrifice and gift that, that so many people have given us to just be recording this podcast and not fear retribution for saying some of the things that we say, it is, it is an incredible gift. Mm -hmm. I, I get that. And, and that's come at a great cost for many families and generations that have fought in wars. It's in, I, I want to recognize that, but, but I, but I wish it was like a reluctance participation in violence mm -hmm. that it's like the state needs this because there is no other alternative right, right now, rather than a, a celebration, I'm talking as a Christian, okay? Like a Christian celebrating military might um, platforms it in a way that I think is not appropriate. Like this is a, um, 
you know, this is a, I, I think it's, it should be the concern of every Christian when violence is, is when, when I say violence, I know people are thinking, what violence, Sam? I mean, the potential for violence being, being waved next to the flag. Hmm. Um, that's, that's, a, that's a problem. Uh, Jesus, Jesus is hanging on the cross, um, powerless and dying. And maybe this is worth another podcast, but this is so. Yeah, I get freedoms come come at a cost, but it, but in the Christian in the Christian way of thinking, Christ, freedom came at the cost of self sacrifice, um, not at the hands of a war fought with swords and and or tanks and guns. Right. Well, I think I think Jesus even showed us that when Peter pulled a sword and cut off an ear. And Jesus was like, it. Jesus was like, not this way. He said it. He that's said, not, this is not the way. Yeah. This is not what we're going to do. Yeah, man. That's fascinating. Right. And, and I appreciate, I appreciate, you know, acknowledging the sacrifice because there is a, well, let me ask you this. Is there a gospel orientation to someone going into the military to fight for people? Yeah. Answer me that. That's, Answer, that answer now we're going to go deep 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 into the passive the, the movement of the the pacifist movement and i'm definitely not the one most qualified to talk about this um because you know our church has a very troubled history with this subject what do you mean uh, we were white coats uh so okay i'll tell you what i know and again we should probably have an expert on to talk about this maybe this right. will be just a a conversation started for the dear listeners. Yes, we were white coats, but white coats were kind of a compromise. Hmm. Um, Same remember more. we were born, well, we were, you know, the church was born, the Adventist church was born in 1863 in the middle of a civil war. Right. And the move in those days was definitely anti-slavery. We were in the, we were on the, what I would consider the right side of that argument. Um, all, all in on that. But, we were, our pacifist position was so strong that we would not send our young, our young men in those days to fight in the war. As a matter of fact, we would raise money to pay the- The $300. The $300 to not send our, our men to, to war. And that's actually how the, the, the young church, it was, you know, brand new church spent most of its, his um, money in those days, hmm. was paying so that <clears throat> to preserve their, their pacifist position. Um, and I mean, but you know, by, is it the Spanish, the next big war, the Spanish, yeah, Spanish American war. Mm -hmm. Um, we, we began, I think, to back off that position. Although we said we were non-combatants, we, uh, we said, Hey, but you know what? Um, we recognize that civil government is something we got to participate in, but we're non-combatants. Mm -hmm. We, uh, we affirm the, and then, you know, and then the, the first war um, is where the, the white coats were born. Isn't okay. that the, the first war? I don't know. Was it? You, yeah, it you was. know more about this history than I do. I really don't know that much about it. Um, first war is where we developed the concept of conscientious objecting. Okay. And we knew that our young men were going to be conscripted. So we needed a way out of out for them, so they didn't have to actually carry carry a weapon or bear arms. So we say it. Okay. Um. So I think the World War One is when we said, you can carry, you can go into, you can go serve in the military, which is right to do, but we're going to develop this entire program so that you don't have to, you don't have to actually participate in the killing of people. Now, I could be wrong, and that could have been the Second World War. I don't know. I could be completely wrong. But, well, I know that but, I've got white white coats <clears throat> in my congregation, at least one. Feels really? like a Second World War thing. Uh, maybe, yeah, maybe it was Second World War. And so during one of those great wars is when we said, let's come up with an alternative so people, so our, our young don't have to, when they are drafted, they've actually got the training they need already to be placed with the, in the, you know, in the places that don't, uh, require them to carry carry arms. Anyway, I think I think look, I think 
if if we had been true pacifists from the very beginning because by vietnam first gulf war by then we were saying we're going to support you our members we're going to support you in whatever however your conscience guides you instead of saying we're conscientious objectors by then we were saying if you're going to serve we're here to support you and whatever decision you make we're at that point now whatever decision you make as as a member of our church um it's not our place to judge you um or in any way to to guide you in that decision we're just saying um be careful out there i i think um we're i, I think we lost a little bit of the our pacifist impulse right in that process so so the quakers have remained very pacifist oh they are yes and they're yes. they're actually from the same tree that we come from are Not they tree say yeah. more they're westland uh-huh. i didn't know I, listen at apu when i go <clears throat> when i go to their school of of religion uh they have they have pictures of the the founders of each one of the denominations you know with the united methodist and brother in christ and um and the quakers are there okay so they come yeah, from they that same definitely. trunk. We don't really we don't claim it like everybody else does. No, but, but a lot of us, a lot, our early founders came out of Methodism and a lot of Wesleyan theology. Well, um, they they are definitely the most radical pacifists, right? By far, um, they're 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 absolutists. Their obligation is absolute. Hmm. You don't do this. Matter of fact, when I was growing up in. Um, in Central America, there were there were small, small um, enclaves of Quakers who moved there to escape the draft, the Vietnam Vietnam. Really? Draft. Yeah, huh. they made the best cheese, by the way. <laughs> they were the cheese makers. That's how you that knew. You knew really the weird <laughs> connection. <laughs> I think to this day, because I went back with my family to visit in the in the like a decade ago, they're still around to this day. They're they're known as the the cheesemakers uh in, in some other places in central america and yeah so they're 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 absolutists they're right their like, obligation sorry go ahead. i was just gonna say that's like a malcolm gladwell kind of and then they moved here and they make cheese and now they're called cheesemakers that's like gladwell would find that out and somehow write a book about that and be like it's because of this they made one guy made a decision on a thursday and this is how the world is now uh I but they're absolutists they're they're absolutists like that is their commitment yeah, they are. It's, it's an obligation um, oh. to to hold this line. Um, look, I'm saying I don't know. I don't know if that's the right place to be in this, but <clears throat> but you you gotta if you read well, we let's, we read the gospels. It's I think we have a I think we happen to have an immature an immature position on this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was when I teach um, intro to Seventh Day Adventist beliefs at La Sierra which I, I want to do sometimes, as they say. Mm-hmm. Um, when we come across this, you know, obviously we talk about Desmond Doss and, and that sort of thing. And, and there's always one student <clears throat> who's like, so, so Avenus don't. Even the position back then was, so it's okay for other people to carry arms, but not you to carry arms. But you're okay with that. But you're just, like, it's always been a little bit, there's always one student who kind of susses out like, wait, I'm not sure I understand this position. And I, and I always feel like I flounder a little bit because you're right. We're not absolute absolutists in that anymore at all. And again, I go back to the question, it, you know, aren't these people going and dying for us? And is that an incredible commitment? That is, that is the conundrum. Yes. And it's listen, like, I think even, listen, I, you know, we have law enforcement families in our congregation that are, are hurting right now, obviously, and, you know, one of, one of their wives said, you know, my husband goes and he protects people. Why yeah. is that? You know, isn't that gospel too? Yes. And I, you know, that's a, and, and she's in tears and she's, you know, scared. Her whole family's been law enforcement during this time. And, and you know, they, they're yeah. really suffering through that. And I want to acknowledge that as well, yeah. you know. So, so answer yeah. me that question is no i don't hey hey wow well sometimes i don't want to be the one answering the question i'm not on the stand here as a as a witness no but i wonder that's a fascinating question to me 
I mean, how you do it makes a difference, right? 2,000 years of Christians wrestling with this. By the way, I'm again, I want to say I'm no expert. It's just you and I wrestling with the question. But 2,000 years are not going to get resolved here in the next five minutes of this podcast. Um, But I will say that's a very Augustinian, isn't it, uh, position that there's... um, there's some violence that is just. It's just war theory, right? Yeah. And um, we, I think, I think Christians have never really, except for maybe Quakers and pockets of others who are are true pacifists, uh, have never really evolved from from that that position. Um, And and maybe law enforcement is part of that. Uh, Part of our belief that some violence is necessary. Or maybe not even violence, but the potential for violence is is always there. Someone has to be, um, someone has to bear the responsibility of absorbing that. And and I'll admit right now, law enforcement, um, look, it's a tough, that's a tough calling, especially right now. I think it's a tough calling no matter what, right? I think it's, I think it's an incredibly difficult job. And how you do that, how you do that has huge effects probably on, yeah. on the communities that you serve. And that's probably such a bigger conversation. It's such a tender it box is. right now. I, you know, um, yeah. as we wade through everything that's happening in the world and I want to, I want to affirm great law enforcement. Yeah. I want to affirm that. Um, but I also want to affirm the need for, for accountability and transparency. Um, certainly in law enforcement and certain like, I mean, I, I think we need it in pastoral ministry. We do. I think we need accountability. And I hate the idea that when somebody does something in a congregation, they can get moved somewhere else and not have consequences for, for breaking the trust, you know, and for harming people. So I believe that in everything. Um, But, but I, I, yeah, man, I, I think that, um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know that I have an end to that sentence of what I think, because this is, yeah. this is a, it's a difficult, if it's a difficult topic for me. So back to the 4th of July thing for me, I want to, I want to celebrate the ideals of what we could be right. I want them. I want, I want equality and justice. Those things that, you know, the pursuit of happiness, those things that were built into the, the constitution or a declaration of independence even though it may not have been for everyone, I want that to be for everyone. And I want that to be an aspirational document that we move towards. Mm. And can I celebrate the potential that we might have? But I I think, and I think the problem is, the problem is maybe that we've, and this is super philosophical, but maybe we've lost the ability to aspire Mm. to greater things. Because you to aspire to something else, you have to lose something you have. Yes. Right. If, if I'm going to go somewhere, if I'm going to do something, if I'm going to move to a different place, I'm going to have to let go of the things it's, I've always likened it to, we have 28 fundamental beliefs. This is a super bad parallel probably, but we have 28 fundamental beliefs that doesn't encapsulate everything we are. We aspire to more. And maybe as present truth is applied, maybe there's things that will drop and go, Hey, that wasn't a, that wasn't a thing for us as we gain more and greater understanding. Right. We don't yeah. do that. We just keep piling on more and more and more and more. So I, eventually, will Seventh-day Adventists have 75 fundamental beliefs? Or, you know, because I still don't think prayer is really addressed. Yeah. You know, yeah. But, but when you aspire to something, there's some things that you have to let go of. And, you know, aspiring to have, you know, the pursuit of everyone, you know, the pursuit of happiness for everyone may mean that we have to lose certain things. Um, yeah. But but can we celebrate those aspirations? Yeah, yeah, we can. I I mean, I don't. I think we can. I think we can sell it. Look, we're talking about a. I think how Christian celebrates. Uh, and I love I love aspirational celebration, but I, but maybe we, we've got to come together and agree at some point on whether we really want equality for all for all and what that means for those who've had privilege 
and those who enjoy privilege now. We got to come to terms with that. Uh, what does that mean for the future? We got to come to terms, I think, with um, whether we really want a, a, a peaceful society and what the cost for achieving that will be. Yeah. Um, um, I think maybe those are things we can celebrate in the 4th of July. Um, yeah, we can definitely <laughs> talk, talk about those things. Wow. Hey, um, it's been almost an hour. Are you, whoa, I, yeah. we, I did not know we were going to talk about this. No, we were actually doing it. We had a completely different subject. Yeah. We were going we to talk today. about preaching, which is yeah. something <laughs> now that seems so silly, but, but no, we actually, we do want to, we want to spend a few hours talking about preaching. Cause Sam, I, I credit you as being probably the best preacher of our generation. Oh man. See, I'm, no, I'm, not, I'm not saying it to like, uh, I believe you say that. It, well, first of all, you're my favorite preacher and my oh. children's favorite preacher. Um, and, and your preaching muscle has been so developed over the last uh, five, six years. Is, um, I think, I think, you know, you know what I think? I think we should actually sell it as a seminar, Tim, yeah. instead of giving away for free to our dear listeners. Oh wow! Look, we're gonna yeah, monet for a four monetize part series, like one of those master classes. I like that. <laughs> we should probably bring in some other experts then. <laughs> but let's not pay them. Let's not tell them that we're gonna. <laughs> we're gonna sell no, let's take it for seriously, dear listener. We are gonna do a um, a multi parter on preaching. Yeah. That's our goal, and we'll address issues about how to preach in the middle of these. Um, these times we're living through right now, hmm. how to preach to a broad congregation, all plotted all over the spectrum, um, on theologically, politically, um, Tim's preparation process, <laughs> Tim's reading list, Tim's um, writing style, how do Tim's you do, all of Tim's habits. Why my stuff? You 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 do it now. I mean, it's not it's not your main job anymore. No, it isn't. Which I missed. That's why, no. by the way, dear listener, this is why we have Sam preach at Crosswalk because his voice is important in today's world and we don't want to lose it ever. Well, I thank you for the invitation. I look forward to next week when yeah. I... You're actually preaching on the 4th of July. Did we just do research for your sermon? Probably. Is that what this just probably, happened? This is all summary for it. Summary notes. <laughs> well, we obviously didn't answer everybody's questions, but man... Man, if I could, if I could say one thing, if I could just say one thing, Christians accepted a different kind of citizenry. Citizenry. That was, that's what makes us one body. Citizenship. Thank you. Yeah. Um, that's what makes us one body across across borders, across mm -hmm. empires, across time, and across space. Right? Um, because we've done that, we have to look at these things a little bit differently than what most of the noise that's out there is going to look at these things. So one of the things I find myself is I listen to, I, you know, I listen to, I read news and this and that. And I find that a lot of it doesn't really apply to me. Hmm. A lot of the opinions don't apply to me because I can't have those same opinions because my opinion has to be informed through Christ. And if it's not, then that's, then, then I've gone off center of what Christianity is. And I, if I can make a call to our dear listeners, it's that, it's that call hmm. it's that you have to look at what's going on in the world through biblical eyes and through the eyes of Jesus, not, not through the eyes of the right or the left, but you have to begin yes. with Jesus. And certainly there's going to be sides that, that resonate more with you that make you feel more comfortable or not. We are not afforded the opportunity to silence the voice of Jesus in our lives and still call ourselves Christians. Yes. We are just not afforded that opportunity. And so if, if your Christianity just backs up your politics, again, either side of the coin, you've got it backwards. Hmm. It, that, it's as simple as that, I think. And if, if you're listening right now and you're really pissed off at what I'm saying, it's probably because it's hitting a little too close to home. Yes. And, yes. and to be clear, that's a struggle I have to go through every time I pick up a news outlet, every time I pick up an op-ed, every time I look at the news, I have to do the same thing. 
So that's not a that's not a single decision. That is a continual commitment to Christ. Yes. I think. That's a great summary, Tim. We should leave it there. I just my final word is to I, I know we've rambled on of about a lot of things this morning and some of them we know a little bit about some of them we know nothing about and what i hope is that we've given you something to think about and i would leave it with this word um to affirm what you just said uh paul right into the colossians in, in the hymn of the colossians um when he says jesus is before all things and he names powers and principalities mm-hmm. it is a that is a uh, the most succinct way you can put it, yeah. um, it this this great nation is great, great, but Jesus transcends and has always transcended before the foundation of the world mm-hmm. and will for eternity. So we have we serve the the Lord King mm-hmm. um, first, foremost, and always. That's our first allegiance is to is to him um before all things <laughs> that's good we're wrapping it up sam you got the last word thank you wrap it up hey this is uh tim and sam sam and tim thank you for i always want my npr voice when i do it hey everyone this is tim and sam sam and tim thank you so much for being with us we appreciate everything that you've listened to today and we hope that it's confused you thoroughly and (laughs) i hope we can edit that out because that's that's the best part of this whole thing listen hey thank you guys for being with us um listen we would love to be experts on everything um we're not but we really appreciate the conversation sam i always appreciate the conversation with you even if we didn't record them they're good stuff all right thank you guys we'll see you we'll see we might we may do a few on the road we'll see but we'll see you guys later. Thanks a lot.